around here. Yeah. Think that every year. Once a year. So we left off yesterday that um, basically with the same conclusions we left off the day before, the Gemara just worked out a problem that we learned the concept of Osik, the mitzvah, pater, and mitzvah, that if you're involved in mitzvah A, that you don't have to stop mitzvah A and do mitzvah B from uh, the Pasuk and by Kriya Shema, that the obligation to say Shema is only when you're sitting for your own purposes or going for your own purposes, or if you're sitting for the purposes of Hashem, i.e. doing a mitzvah, or you're sitting doing a mitzvah for the purpose of Hashem, traveling for the purpose of Hashem, you are exempt from saying Shema. And, um, you know, the Gemara, as we discussed, there seems to be two separate rushes included in this presentation. And uh, the Gemara says one is for chasan and one is for holach uh, mitzvah, one is for going on the way to do a mitzvah, and one is for chasan. And the difference is that chasan is a cognitive thing which requires your concentration, proper mental preparation. And the other one is something you're physically involved in and both types you're exempt from. So that's what we have in the books. We have two separate drushas within one pasuk basically to teach us these two examples of osik mitzvah, patr mitzvah. Again, we had a Machlokas Rashi Tosos about how to understand the drasha. Are the drashas mathematical, sort of extra versus not extra? Are they specific, have specific connotations? Are they from the mashmos? Are they from the exact words? And um, we saw also that it's only when it's the mitzvah itself obligates you. In other words, just because you're very distracted by something that's not a mitzvah is not an exemption. Um, although, just to... Uh, put this in perspective we're going to see later on the Gemara does according to Rashi at least entertain such an idea Lahalacha. as we're going to see later on on the, the bottom of the base that this is not like from left field right, that which the Gemara is entertaining which I was struggling a little bit yesterday about um, you know like why would you think that just because I'm so busy with something I should have an exemption so the Gemara according to Rashi Tosa seems to disagree discusses when later on the bottom of Chavchayim Ebeis on top of Chavchayim and Aleph the possibility and even the conclusion that you're exempt from a mitzvah if you're so overwhelmed by something potentially. There is such an opinion that you're exempt. The way, wow. the way um, Rishonim seem to put it is that it's sort of like an onus. The sort of circumstances beyond your control. As if a person reacts to something that's overwhelming by losing it, Right, so they can't refocus, so they're sort of unable to. Right, so they so it gets into sort of that. Is that exist? So there, it's almost like self-imposed, right? you know, like so. So like the Gemara's example, right? So chasan, exactly. So the Gemara's example, according to Rashi, is chasan. Right, right. The chasan is an example. It's not hotter on the basis of what we're saying in our Gemara on the top on chaf heimer aleph that there's an opinion according to Rashi a Tanaitic opinion according to Rashi that, or two Tanaitic opinions according to Rashi, which say that the reason why a chasan is, is exempt is not because of Osik B'mitzvah as we're learning it yet today but rather as a result of the overwhelming circumstances which they find themselves in. How would you so, understand the Gemara? So really this is a sugya on the bottom of Chofchayim and base. Our sugya is disagreeing with this. However, just to put in perspective that really the Gemara is addressing itself to an opinion which does not yet exist. 
that we have, sorry, which we have not yet seen, but it is a real opinion, which we're going to see actually carries weight. So we're going to have to unpack that when we get to the bottom of the table base. What were you going to say, Harvey? Well, I was going to say, the issue about this cognitive reason for being putter from doing a mitzvah is, it seems like it's very, it could be very vague in a way because it doesn't, you know, well, vague for the concept, but specific that it's just for chasm. Like how, if if we're going to be able to say you can do it for, if you're cognitively involved in a mitzvah that's very stressing to you, then what other situations can you do it for? It almost seems like we really can only apply it to chassid unless we have something that's just as... You're right. In other words, I think this would be a challenge to a posek to apply. Because whenever the Gemara creates these different levels, right, we have different gradations, as we said last couple of days, there are gradations of distraction. So what type of mitzvah requires such a focus that I can't do, I can't do both? You and I might have disagreed with that, which the Gemara said. You and I might have said, yeah. no problem. You're going to visit your rabbi, no problem. I'll leave the sukkah at night, right? I'll bring the pop-up sukkah, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You know? So, so I agree with you that I think that it's hard that, that these are very good theoretical categories. But when it comes to actually applying them, in other words, the job of a posseg, to apply them in other situations, can become, you know, very, very challenging. So I, I agree with that. Okay? So now, the Gemara is going to ask a question. We're about to ask a question on everything we just said. But basically, the bottom line is we have these drushas, if you're involved in a mitzvah, you're exempt. So the Gemara asks a question. We're four lines from the bottom, first word. Do we learn out Osek from here? We learn it out from elsewhere. It says in a brisa, So this is a pasuk, that said in regards to Pesach Sheni, right? Famously, the Torah describes that there were people that were impure and they were unable to do the Pesach in the second year of the desert at the right time. And uh, therefore, God, they said, Lama nigara, why should we, why should we lose out? Just because we're impure, we shouldn't be able to do Pesach, right? We don't want to lose out. So Hashem says, no problem. Um, we're going to give you a concept called Pesach Sheni, the makeover Pesach, okay? Which is the following month of the 15th. So, why were these people, Tameh, and unable to do the Pesach? What made them impure? Right? So the Gemara says, O Samanashimihayu, who were these people? Marsalamar first says, No say Arono shall Yosef Hayu. These are the people that carried Joseph's bones with them, right? The Torah says, makes a very prominent note of the fact that when the Jews left Egypt, they brought along Joseph's bones, right? So these were the people that were carrying him. So just, there's no statute of limitations on Tuma, just because Joseph died 100 <laughs> years earlier, doesn't mean that he no longer is someone who's impure. Right? It doesn't matter how long ago he died. Therefore, the people that were carrying them in Osek in that mitzvah were Tame. Divrei Rabbi Haglili. Such as Rabbi Haglili. Rabbi Kiva Omer. Rabbi Kiva says, Mishael vel Tzafan hayu. They were Mishael vel Tzafan. Who was that? Shayu Oskin the Benadav Aviu. These are the people who were involved after Nadav Ahaviyu died famously on the eighth day of the Miluim when, uh, when uh, they were celebrating the, the, the consecration of the, of the Mishkan. So they died. They brought in a strange fire into the Mishkan and uh, they died. Tosos here asks a question that uh, if they were totally burnt up, which the Gemara seems to say in Sanhedrin, how could they become Tameh? If you're totally, it's a very interesting point. By right? someone who's cremated Metameh, 
Is that, is that, is that, does that create tumma if you're cremated? The ashes. No. So the answer is no. So Tosu says, if, you're not, if it's not mitame, so what's the issue? So Tosu says, Shildan Hayakayemes, Kilunisrval Gabi Katabla. If, they're, if they're, their structure was still alive, I don't know exactly the parameters of that, but if their structure was still. I mean, parts of their body were still attached. It was still, the form was still there. I don't know exactly what Shildan, I don't know exactly what Shildan Kayemes means, I'm not 100% sure what it means. You have to research it, but there is a, there. You could be totally burnt. Your body could be totally burnt, but still retain its its shape or also retain its some sort of uh, some sort of integrity, which would yield tumah. Anyway, it's just sort of an incidental point you see in this Gemara. Reb Yitzchak Omer, Reb says, Yosef, how you? So those are the two opinions so far, right? Who were the people that were tame? Either they were the people that were involved with the bodies of Yosef. Or there were people that were involved in the bodies of of, uh, of Nadav and Avihu. So the Gemara says, "In no ser shall Yosef you, for how you If they were the people who carried Joseph's bones, they had plenty of time to do the to become tahor before Pesach. Why couldn't they do the Pesach at the right time? You put down his body, you do the paraduma, you're good to go. Just a little advanced preparation, no problem. In Mishael Val Safan, how you? If they're Mishael Val Safan, Rashi explains at length. Also, how you holy tar? Because that happened on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, right? It happened on the first day of Nisan. This long Rashi goes through the history. If you want to see it, it's sort of interesting. But um, but the point is, is that uh, that uh, both of these peoples, the people that were carrying these bodies, had ample time to become pure, and therefore. Um, why would they be in, allowed to say to do the to do the Pesach Sheni, right? The pasuk says Rashi makes the point that uh, it says Lo yochlu Pesach. The pasuk says they weren't able to do the Pesach, but they were able to do the Pesach if they would have put uh, put their minds to it, right? Right. If you look at Rashi, just he he, he amplifies the question by saying that Rashi here in the middle says. They were literally unable to. But these people would have been able to. Right? I think a fair question would be if the laws of Pesach Shani we even ever applied to them. Right? If a person is negligent and remiss and doesn't become pure when they could have, who says they merit to get a Pesach Shani? Right? You could even ask, think, ask the question maybe even stronger than the way Rashi puts it. But be that as it may, or maybe Rashi's stronger than the way I'm putting it, but be that as it may, I think there might be two ways of asking the question. Right, but uh, the point is, is that they were able to do the Pesach. So why didn't, you know, if they were able to become Tahor, then what was the, why was, there, why was Pesach Shani created for them? Exactly, that's the Gemara's question. So that can't be the subject, they, they, that can't be the identity of the people who asked Moshe for the extension. Right, so who were they? So it says the Gemara, Ella oskim b'meis mitzvah hayu. These are people that are involved in the meis mitzvah. The Chavar Kedisha. The Chavar Kedisha, Exactly. Says Rashi, though, says Rashi, who are this? And Rashi is really addressing himself to a question of Tosas, but we're not going to get into that also. Tmei meis mitzvah. Rashi says, lav meis mitzvah dafka ka'amar. This doesn't actually mean a meis mitzvah. Meis mitzvah is typically a corpse that has no one to deal with it, that has no one to bury with. You find someone, a, a corpse lying in the middle of the street, right? So it's a mitzvah on everyone, so the greatest mitzvahs. That's not what we're talking about, says Rashi. Rather, we're talking about the seven myth people that you have an obligation to become Tomei to. Uh, even your seven closest relatives to whom a Kohen can defile, you have a personal obligation to be involved in. The mitzvah There are a mitzvah, it's incumbent upon you, you have personal responsibility 
to ensure their burial. And that's a mitzvah, right? So these are people like, you know, your sitting, mother, your father. Home, God forbid their father or mother passes away. Now exactly. they're tummy and it's no time to prepare for a so what? So who are these people that were who were these people? It was two days before Pesach, three days before Pesach, and or God forbid, their father drops dead in the, in the living room. Right? So now what? What am I going to do? You have to be involved with them. You're tummy. You might already become tummy if you were in their proximity under the OL. So they, they, they did their mitzvah. They buried him. And now all of a sudden, right? They go to Moshe. We can't do the Pesach. What should we do? So that's what we're talking about. So says the Gemara, but it's not exactly what I said. The Gemara says, uh, It's not what I said, that it was people three days before Pesach. Rather, it was that their seventh day of Tahara, of the purification process, fell on, Pes- on Erev Pesach. That was at the time where they would be, you would be sacrificing the Karban Pesach. When did they sacrifice the Karban Pesach? They sacrificed on the 14th Bein Arabayim, on Erev Pesach. When did they eat the carbon Pesach? Lil Pesach, the Seder. That's when they did it. Right? Says Rashi. If you look at this Rashi. That the seventh day fell on Pesach. So ask Rashi. They would have become Tahar at night. They would have become Tahar at night because the seventh day fell on Pesach. That means comes night, they could eat the carbon Pesach. What's the issue? Right? Lo ishtru. The Kasavarin shoktu mezokin al tamesheretz. Right, that if you're in Ella, if you're Tama and Arab Pesach, you can't do the procedure. Right, you can't do the Shechita and the Zrika for you can't do the procedure of the Carbonos for on behalf of someone that is impure at that time. Even though at night they would have been able to eat it. But anyway, these are all technicalities. Be that as it may, says the Gemara. We learn from here that Osik. If you look at Rashi, it's an important Rashi. Shamina mine. We infer from here the Osik b'mitzvah and a mitzvah. That one who's involved in a mitzvah is exempt from a mitzvah. Why? Sharei nitmu b'mei seim shiva yamim flei pesach. These people became tamei for their mace mitzvah for the people who they had a mitzvah to bury on seven days before Pesach. Even though this would prevent them from eating the pesach. Alma, we see mitzvah kala baliyadcha. A small mitzvah that comes to your hand. Rashi's his wording is very rich. If you look at this Rashi, right? This is going to be extremely relevant in a moment. Rashi's almost foreshadowing the Gemara's the next step in the Gemara. But Rashi's saying, "What do you see from here? Not only do you see mitzvah, not only do you see mitzvah, um, not only do you see you see the fact that if you're involved in a mitzvah." Kala, such as it's interesting that it's that it's uh, that it's called a mitzvah kala, but relative to Pesach, right? Pesach is a kares. So if you don't bring uh, karim Pesach, you get kares, right? That's not the case of if you're not osek b'meis mitzvah. If you're not involved in burying someone who you have to bury, you're still not liable a kares, right? So it's a kala relative to the second mitzvah, right? So therefore, even if I'm, you see from here an enormous chiddush. You see, even if the mitzvah A is inferior to mitzvah B, you still, says Rashi, don't stop doing mitzvah A to do mitzvah B. And that osik b'mitzvah paterman and mitzvah applies not only when they're equal and not only when mitzvah A is better and more important, so to speak, 
than mitzvah B, but even with A is inferior to mitzvah B because it's less stringent, because burying the deceased is not a kares, and Pesach is a kares. Nonetheless, we still see mitzvah, we still see osik mitzvah, pater and mitzvah. So this is the source. So ask the Gemara, why do I need the source? From the Shift to teach me this if if I have it over here. This is, seems to be the source for Mitzvah for, for Osik Mitzvah Pater Mitzvah. So I was bothered by this. This Rashi is saying that even if it's a lighter mitzvah, an easier mitzvah, yes. it's still it's still Yes. Okay. I remember, maybe somebody remembers offhand, I I didn't have time to look it up. In the back someone asks that there's a question in Halacha like the, the, the modern contemporary postgum, the Tshuva, the Shagas Aryeh, and, and the, the Chacham Tzvi, and others discuss, um, uh, like a Shiloh, like should, if I should not do Mitzvah A to do Mitzvah B, like I, I forgot exactly what the, I heard it once, I just forgot it, I don't know if you remember it offhand. There's such a Shiloh in the contemporary postgum, if I should, like if I, it, it goes something like this, if I, I could either do like Shabbos tomorrow, which is Chamor, or I could do this today, which is Kal. Right? So how do you evaluate that? Should I do immediately that which is Kal, that which is more lenient, or uh, I'm not going to be able to do Shabbos? Like if I have to... Risking not being able to do the easier The harder mitzvah, mitzvah, the more important mitzvah mitzvah later. But what if you won't get to I could do Pikr Cholom today, but I can't do Blow the Shofar tomorrow, because I'm not going to have a Shofar if I do Pikr Cholom today. Something like that, you know? That sort of Shabbos, Right? So these are our Shilas. You can imagine they, they, they're frequent Shilas, right? So, I assume that then there, are, there are degrees as to which one is more important to do at what specific time. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. That well, the time frame thing is a very important point, which I didn't mention, because I didn't want to give away the answer, but a, a very important point. But that's the next step in the Gemara. So just, just hold your horses. But this is a famous Shila, if I remember correctly. I heard it years ago, but it's, it's basically... It, and it's very relevant to this. Malo Rome points out that none of those poskim, when they're involved in this issue, right, none of them reference this Rashi, but it seems to be a very important Rashi, right? It seems to be a very important Rashi. It's saying you should do mitzvah A, even if it's a lower mitzvah. It's, I never remember, it's about a jail. A guy's in jail or something like that. I forgot the details, but it's something like that, right? Some, some, something like that. If I could do... I forgot what it was. But that's the sort of question. They'll give you one religious activity a week, whatever. Right. So, so what should I do? Should I do... Right. That's what it is. Should I do today? You can, right. You could do one thing a week. Something like that, right? So today, I could do tefillin or I could do Shabbos. Something like that, right? So you have these sort of shilas, right? You see here from our Gemara... Right? It's very interesting. So the, the major posts can talk about this, right? I, I didn't... He didn't reference them. I couldn't look it up. There's, it's a famous shilas. It's right about this. Right, so this they say this Rashi is relevant to that question because it's saying that we don't deprioritize mitzvah A just because it's more kal to mitzvah B. Now it may be a little different because you're nischayev in one, so it might not be you. It might be a little bit different in this year, exactly. But 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 anyway, it's just an important concept to see. Maybe we learn a philosophy a little bit out of it in terms of doing mitzvah. I thought he was going to do that. Anyway, so. So, <laughs> says the Gemara, what's the answer? So why do we need both drushas? Why do we need the drasha of as well as the mitzvah, as well as the drasha of Pesach, Pesach Sheni? Says the Gemara, Tzricha. You need both of them. If we only had the first drasha, 
of, sorry, the, the drasha of Pesach. So why would I say do mitzvah A? Mishum delomata zmanchi with the Pesach, Harvey's point. Because the time of, do, of doing the Pesach had not yet happened. So you don't have a direct conflict on day one between mitzvah A and mitzvah B. Yeah, there you go. Okay, hang on. This one's that. Let's just wrap this up. I want to see that. Harvey what? gets it done. Man. Harvey gets it done. We want a picture, though, Harvey. Yeah, we want a picture of this. <laughs> so, so listen, let's say, so here's the point. If we would only, don't lose that page. If we would only, if we wouldn't have come to the time of Pesach yet, right? So, so in other words, on day one, in the carbon Pesach story, there was no conflict. There was no conflict in Mitzvah A and Mitzvah B. There's only Mitzvah A. You're only obligated in Mitzvah A. Therefore, perhaps the reason why you do mitzvah A is because mitzvah A you are obligated in, and mitzvah B you have not yet been obligated in. Therefore, what's saying is do mitzvah A. Here where Kriyashma came, it's already the time, you have two active chiyuvim at the same time. I'd say not, sricha. So, and now you have the other question, why not just say, why not just say, um, why not just say, uh, um, the 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 carbon Pesach of Pesach Sheni, the E Ashmin and Hacha. Have we just had Pesach Sheni? Mishum sorry, Shkrishma Mishum Delaka Kares. That's that doesn't have Kares. You wouldn't know they're they're both on equal footing. This is what Rashi was foreshadowing. Abel Hasam the Ika Kares Emalot Tricha. There where there's Kares, maybe say wait to wait to do the superior mitzvah rather than to do the inferior mitzvah immediately. Says the Gemara, no. I'll just leave with a question which I didn't see anyone ask. I'm bothered by the trichasa. I'm bothered by the question. Because you need Kriyash at least in one direction. There's an amazing Kiddush of Kriyashma that you don't see by Pesach Sheni, which is Chasan. Even a Chasan, who you're not doing anything, you're just Tarud, right? There's no action, like we said yesterday in Rashi, even in Entosos, right? If you're merely Tarud in it, right? Nonetheless, you're exempt. You don't see that in carbon Pesach, by Mace Mitzvah. You don't see that by carbon Pesach. By any in carbon Pesach and Mace Mitzvah, they're all action-based mitzvahs. So, so I understand why they're relevant to Pigeon Shuyim, why they're relevant to Lahakul Panei Rabba, why they're relevant for all those other things that are action-based. But you don't see in carbon Pesach the, the idea of Machshava. So I was bothered by the Gemara's question I didn't see anyone to ask it. Maybe someone, maybe I missed it. But uh, you know, I, I, I was bothered by the Mars question. Of course, you need Krishma because you need Krishma to teach you. Even when there's no action, even when there's only Machshava, you're still exempt. You don't see that in this thing. So I'll leave that with a question. I don't have an answer off the top of my head. I see that perfect. Yeah, I just kind of everybody. What is it?